President Tsai Ing-wen over the weekend invited the American delegation led by U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall to the Taipei Guest House, where a banquet was held in their honor. Let's hear what she and McCall had to say. I would like to thank the U.S. Congress for fulfilling its commitment to Taiwan's security through bipartisan cooperation and legislation. We also anticipate Taiwan and the United States to continue to strengthen security cooperation. Under the framework of the U.S.-Taiwan initiative on 21st century trade, the two sides will be able to complete more negotiations and establish a closer partnership. I want to reiterate that the people of Taiwan love democracy and pursue peace, and they can fulfill their international responsibilities. We will continue to cooperate with the U.S. and like-minded countries to jointly defend the values of democracy and freedom. And let me congratulate you on your recent visit to the United States. Uh, you are a very brave and courageous leader and president of Taiwan. And as the House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman, I sign off on all foreign military sales, including weapons to Taiwan. And I promise you, Madam President, we will deliver those weapons. And we will provide training to your military, not for war, but for peace. Your bravery, your courage has inspired the world as a beacon of hope and democracy. And I look forward to a great future together, our two nations. We stand with Taiwan. While in Taiwan, Representative McCall was interviewed by Fox News. The Texas Republican said if communist China invaded Taiwan, the issue of U.S.'s military support would certainly be on the table and is something that would be discussed by Congress and with the American people. He added that conflict with China was a last resort, but said so long as the American people support it, Congress will approve boots on the ground if Beijing attacks. Now that both President Tsai Ing-wen and former President Ma Ying-jeou have returned to Taiwan from their overseas trips, some scholars came out on Sunday to share their analysis of the effects the two tours have had. They say Tsai has deepened Taiwan-U.S. relations, while Ma has locked Taiwan into the One China framework. Both the current president and a former president returned to Taiwan last Friday. During her visit to Taiwan's Central American allies, President Tsai Ing-wen made stopovers in the U.S., and former President Ma Ying-jeou went to China to pay respects to his ancestors. On Sunday, scholars and experts came out and gave their analysis of the two tours. The biggest difference between the two is that one of them, Ma, reaffirms his adherence to the One China position and attitude, which he shares with China. This is an indication of the pro-China path that may be taken in the future. The other, Tsai, has very clearly embraced the values of Western democracies. Voice of America has mentioned that President Tsai very effectively handled the complicated relations between the major powers this time. But the various behaviors of former President Ma in China have sent the wrong message to the international community. This scholar also pointed out the much greater international attention Tsai received compared to that of Ma. 
President Tsai's visit to the U.S. not only represents her personally, but the bipartisan support the U.S. has for Taiwan as well. From last year to now, she met with the then and current speakers of the House. That's two times. No matter which party is the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives, President Tsai cultivated the relationship with the U.S. and obtained the support of a Democratic or Republican Congress. No matter who is in power, they now have a consensus on supporting Taiwan. The panelists say that while Tsai deepened Taiwan-U.S. relations, Ma was rebuffed everywhere he went in China, much less securing any peace. Ma Ying-jeou's visit to China did not avoid war nor make peace. It actually incited the CCP to intimidate Taiwan with military exercises. In fact, it was an invitation for the CCP to attack Taiwan by force. When Andrew Xia went to China in 2022, the CCP immediately announced the continuation of military exercises that targeted Taiwan, as well as its white paper on Taiwan. What is the result of Ma Ying-jeou's visit to China? We're seeing military exercises around Taiwan again. These scholars have witnessed the current and former presidents embarking on opposite paths, with Ma Ying-jeou locking Taiwan into the One China framework and President Tsai allowing Taiwan to go global. Who's headed in the right direction? Only history will tell. Under Mayor Chen Qimai, Kaohsiung has been actively developing smart technology at its waterfront site, Asia New Bay Area. On Sunday, tech giant Honghai signed a letter of intent to invest in Kaohsiung, committing to an investment of 25 billion NT and creating 2,000 jobs in the process. Honghai Chair Yang Liu praised Chen for his efforts toward tech development. And Vice Premier Zheng Wenchan assured Chen that the cabinet would fully support his city's tech-related plans. Vice Premier Zheng Wenchan, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai, and Honghai Chair Yang Liu on Sunday attended a press conference where they announced Honghai's plans for investment in smart technology at Kaohsiung's Asia New Bay area as they signed a letter of intent. In terms of smart city development and concepts and the degree to which Kaohsiung is active in that regard, I think Mayor Chen Qimai is doing a very admirable job. I feel that in investing our resources in Kaohsiung, we can rest assured. Liu says he has confidence in Kaohsiung's Asia New Bay Area, which will incorporate 5G AIoT technology and artificial intelligence. His company plans to invest 25 billion NT into the area, which will create 2,000 job opportunities. The company will establish a southern Taiwan headquarters there, with the hope of helping Kaohsiung become a model for smart cities globally. Our smart city development plans, including a comprehensive plan to solve traffic problems, will make Kaohsiung a base for testing smart technology as well as for testing business and service models. Zheng also took advantage of his visit to the city to test ride Honghai's Model T electric bus. He conveyed to Chen that the executive UN would support the Asia New Bay Area's development and said now was the time for investment in Kaohsiung. Invest in Kaohsiung now or you will miss out on being at the starting point of the city's pursuit of its ambitions. 
which you will regret in the future. The executive yuan is 100% in support of the city, and we will fully cooperate with Kaohsiung on the development of the 27.8 hectare Asia New Bay Area. With electric buses and smart technology, Kaohsiung appears ready to lead the way for future urban development. To mark National Pet Day this year, the Taipei MRT for one day on Sunday designated four cars on the red line as pet-friendly cars. 36 pet owners took part, riding with 42 of their animal companions, which were free to roam inside the cars. Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan-an also came along for the ride asked whether the pet-friendly cars would be a regular thing. Jiang said the issue still needed to be assessed. Pets filled an MRT car, some in strollers and others sitting on their owners' laps, all looking about curiously. Four cars carried pets and their owners, with dogs and cats separated into different cars. Between each car, a gate keeps the pets from wandering too far. A vet and a pet trainer were also on board should they be needed. A cleaning staff member was also along for the ride, ensuring a clean interior. Illegal dumping is a big environmental problem, and solving it means making legal waste disposal more accessible. Normal waste management facilities won't take certain types of waste, and incinerators charge a lot. Smaller waste processing facilities serve as a sort of stopgap, but even they can't process some waste, meaning some of it inevitably goes to illegal waste handlers. One environmental official says smaller facilities must be legally recognized so that the waste they process can be tracked and costs must be brought down. Let's hear what the waste management facilities and the environmental authorities have to say in our Sunday special report. In a bid to stop illegal dumping of waste, New Taipei City government officials have set up a checkpoint along the Xibing Road section of Provincial Highway 61. The driver of a dump truck takes out a delivery slip showing the time he entered and left the quarry he was sent to. According to the data he provided, his truck bed should be empty, but it's filled with waste. As for the waste is to be taken to, the driver has no answer. Waste dumped illegally from trucks like this is just the tip of the iceberg of issues officials have identified. Along Dingfu Road in New Taipei's Lingho District, fires broke out two nights in a row in July 2022. Authorities later discovered the fires were caused by someone illegally burning waste. The following month, the same person burned waste wooden pallets. Officials were able to trace the incidents back to the person responsible through images from surveillance cameras. Like this case, we 
The biggest challenge for us at the start of the case was understanding the suspects' work patterns, because to catch them and bring them to justice, we needed evidence. We were trying to figure out when they would dump the waste and burn it. Through aerial photography, we learned that they would bring the waste there in the afternoon after the workday was finished and burn it around 6 or 7 in the evening. After we knew the work pattern, it was time to collect evidence. The suspect, surnamed Yu, is a contractor who does renovations. Yu had allegedly been taking the waste from his job site to Dingfu Road and had dug a hole that he filled with waste, reaching the height of a single-story building. Examples of people illegally burning, disposing, or burying waste like this are countless. Household garbage and kitchen waste is quickly handed over to garbage trucks that visit communities across the country. However, disposal of commercial waste depends on the type of waste involved, making for a chaotic situation. Regulations require commercial waste to be first collected by a licensed disposal company and then sent to a waste management facility for sorting. Waste that is non-reusable then gets taken to an incinerator to be burned. Every time waste is picked up from a factory, it will have a way bill which needs to be registered online. Wherever it goes, from the original factory onward, it gets stamped. When the disposal company takes it into the waste management center, it also gets stamped. This whole process, the whole delivery, can be controlled. This is the waste processing facility in New Taipei's Wugu district. Previously, there was a gravel yard on this site, and it was used both for the collection of gravel and for the brick trade. Later on, the site began accepting waste from home renovations that waste disposal companies reject. Renovators bring the waste here in smaller trucks to be processed. After reusable parts of the waste are removed, the rest gets sent off somewhere else. But where exactly is unclear. In the past, before people were conscious of environmental concerns, waste would just be dumped wherever there was space for it. It wouldn't be processed. It was like that for a long time, nearly 30 years. Waste processing facilities like this have the difficult task of handling waste from renovators and construction sites, but they are not legally licensed for the task. In other words, nobody has a clear idea about how much waste they process. Waste that they can't put to reuse must be sent back out and often ends up getting illegally dumped. These waste processing facilities typically charge 1,000 to 1,500 NT per meter of truck bed carrying the waste to them. They take in waste from renovators and after initial processing, they send out what they can't use if there is some place willing to take it. If nobody can take it, then they send it out on illegal waste dumping trucks. One of those trucks could have a bed as long as 30 to 35 meters, and they charge 40 to 50,000 NT for a full load. Of course, that is much less than what it would cost to have the waste processed legally. Police officials confirm that some waste processing facilities and construction sites are the source of much of the illegally dumped waste they find. 
They say that the much cheaper cost of hiring illegal dumpers means some facility operators and contractors are willing to take the risk of getting caught. On the other hand, it also shows that legal waste disposal options are too expensive. A GPS-equipped truck loaded with waste and gravel arrives at a facility. After a barcode is scanned, they enter the facility to dump the waste. This is a legal dump site in New Taipei's Inga district. This facility handles the final sorting of waste from construction sites. Roughly 5% of waste brought here can't be reused and is sent to the incinerator. The problem is that Taiwan's 28 incinerators prioritize residential waste, and commercial waste is often held back. This situation means that waste processing facilities have to compete to have their waste accepted at incinerators. The problem now is that in the north, not just in New Taipei, but even more so in Taoyuan, they send everything to the incinerator no matter how much it costs. With incinerators in northern Taiwan insufficient to meet the demand, waste must be sent to central and southern Taiwan to be burned. This causes the cost of handling commercial waste to rise even further. Outside of Taipei, the cost for sending things to the incinerator is roughly 7.5 NT per kilogram minus the transport fee. If you add in the transport fee, it works out to about 12 NT per kilogram or 1,200 NT per ton. In Taoyuan, from what I've heard, you're looking at between 18 NT and 25 NT per kilogram. With the cost of incinerating waste so high, going through legal channels to deal with waste is often difficult and prohibitively expensive. This has indirectly contributed to the perpetuation of illegal waste disposal. Actually, these illegal disposal companies are just doing their job. Wherever there is a need, wherever there is money and intent, a desire to avoid legal disposal and to keep more of the disposal costs, then people will go out and work with these illegal dumpers. Inadequacies in the waste disposal industrial chain mean that illegal dumping is likely to continue unabated. Solving the issue means legal recognition of the smaller waste processing facilities handling unwanted construction waste so that the waste they process can be registered online. However, for such facilities to be legally recognized as waste management centers involves many hurdles, particularly in acquiring land. It's quite difficult for us to apply for recognition as a waste management facility. The rights to use the land for that are very difficult to acquire because of zoning. We have to follow zoning regulations. For example, if we apply as something related to environmental protection, it has to be land designated for that. Otherwise, we need to apply as a construction site or an industrial site. But it's hard to acquire those rights. They currently operate as waste cleanup companies or waste removal companies, which is also under our administration. Waste removal companies are defined as those that do simple on-site processing of waste. In some counties and municipalities, we provide guidance to help them transition to legally recognized waste management facilities.
In New Taipei, the city government has been actively helping waste processing facilities make this transition since 2020. This process involves purchasing equipment and acquiring land. We currently have 41 facilities doing simple waste processing. When we help them transition to legally recognized facilities, we require that they provide all information so that it can be checked and require surveillance cameras to be installed. This lets us trace all the waste that goes through the facility. In 2021, annual generation of industrial waste in Taiwan hit a record high of 21.59 million tons. Waste processing facilities across the country caused an industry to strive toward cutting waste production. In the past, workers at construction sites were in a hurry and they would just throw away all their waste together. Now we teach them to separate what they can. There are some manufacturers who will recycle drywall panels, and some materials can be reused. You don't need to bring that stuff to us here. Everyone loves a newly renovated home, but nobody wants their old furnishings to end up illegally dumped on someone's farmland or somewhere else it shouldn't be. Through the persistent efforts of waste processing facilities and environmental protection officials, Hopefully, one day, illegal dumping will be a thing of the past. Badminton sensation Dai Ying is currently ranked fourth among women's singles badminton players worldwide. On Saturday, following a triples match in Kaohsiung, Dai said even if she could continue playing, she wouldn't want to, and that she planned to retire from the sport next year. However, this is not the first time Dai has announced she would retire from badminton. Originally, she planned to retire in 2021, but changed her mind after winning silver at the Tokyo Olympics. So far, Dai has been ranked as the top women's shuttler six times and has held that title for a record-breaking 214 weeks. Her stellar performance has made the Kaohsiung native a legend in the sport.